What's new, what's new? Welcome to a lo-fi and chill music interview. I'm Justin the Floor God. This is the So Who's Up Next podcast, the show where I have curious conversations with my fellow artists about their inspiration, creativity, and of course, music. Black Bee is a lo-fi artist who finds extraordinary in the ordinary. During our talk, I was so intrigued by just how down-to-earth Boston's approach to making music is, especially with how he came up with the idea for his latest album, Watching the World Wake Up. His brand new work, an EP titled Awaited ahead was released as a birthday present to himself earlier this month let's get into it so i just want to start by saying happy birthday oh yay yeah thank you (laughs) i'm I'm super excited because at the time we're recording this awaited ahead isn't out but you know by the time this releases it's going to be out so yeah i'm just going to say congrats on the release ahead of time thank you definitely a solid set of tracks and we'll get into that in a sec but i'm really curious as to what got you into music oh my gosh so that's actually a really fun story because back in middle school, I went to this this charter school here and it wasn't traditional at all, but we had one teacher who's like my favorite teacher of all time who had a bunch of Mac computers in the back with GarageBand on it. And me as a kid, I never did any of my schoolwork, so I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things because I would constantly have late work. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to just kind of like come in after class and mess with GarageBand just because I thought it was such a cool like program to just make whatever on. I just took all the loops and threw them together. He ended up motivating me saying that if I can get all my work done, I'd be able to go through. So what he'd do is I'd come into the class early and he'd just give me the work. Like he wouldn't give me the lessons yet. He'd give me the work and i finish it and turn it in like anytime in the class. I'd go and I'd be able to log on to there, plug in my headphones. So before class would start, I'd knock out all my work in five minutes and then I'd hop onto there and the rest of the class time, I'd just throw together a bunch of loops. And that's what really like first inspired me to kind of like keep going. And I just kind of fell in love with the production side first. And that was, that was really cool. I, I love that teacher. He like really shaped my future. Yeah, that's super cool. And you said here, but I'm not sure where you're from. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm from uh, West Sacramento. I know I kind of represent Sacramento a lot, but mm. West Sacramento is actually a different city. I know it sounds like the West side of Sacramento, but it's, it's a whole different city. It's like an even a different county. So if you were to go to Sacramento, if anyone that listens here is from the Sacramento area, there's the, the Tower Bridge, the Golden Bridge there. It's on the other side. That's super dope. And so what got you into lo-fi specifically then? The shift was kind of weird because I first started making like darker trap beats. One of my friends, uh, Warlord Colossus, you guys should definitely listen to him. He makes a lot of like shadow rap kind of stuff. And I was like those style of beats. So I would make a lot of darker, heavier kind of trap beats. And then I started experimenting with a little bit more sample work. And I ended up finding there's the same song that Suicide Boys used in one of their songs, but I took it and I sampled that and I kind of make like a somewhat chiller track. And I ended up loving that. So I was like, hold on, let me find more samples. And I went to some sample work and it slowly evolved into like going into the lo-fi genre because i've been listening to it for a while mm-hmm. and it's slowly like you know what if i added this from lo-fi and then what if i added this part from lo-fi until it turned into just, just a lo-fi track itself so I it was gotcha. kind of a little slow evolution from trap beats to lo-fi yeah um just by adding piece by piece from track from tracks and it kind of became to what it is now. That's super cool. And I definitely get a sense that trap production, because like, take like, for instance, songs like Lo-Fi Samurai, where you have that beat switch towards the end. <laughs> yeah. I totally got that. Like when it hit, I was like, this is so different than what I'm used to hearing when I when I like listen to a Lo-Fi track, you know? So I thought that was interesting that it seeped through and you've definitely evolved. I remember a while ago, like when I first started So Who's Up Next, it was like that review page, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like back in 2018, I think when 
you released your EP Winter Beats. I reviewed one of your tracks and I watched it like this morning and I kind of ripped on you for like your atmospheric <laughs> sense of production. Bro, like I'm like, what? why would I say that? Like I was watching no. myself completely tear it apart and I was like, bro, no, like it's really good. Like honestly. No, thank you so much for that though because I've been taking that into mind. Like whenever I'm working with like static now, instead of lazily throwing it on like I used to, I remember that and then I've really like focused on my leveling and it's like that tip improved my quality a lot. So I thank you a bunch for that. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. all my future production took that in mind. So thank you. So you've been making music, at least on Spotify, you've been releasing music since 2018 and you released your first beat tape. Tracks I think of you too on a Saturday morning. Tell me a little bit about that one because as I was listening through that one in particular, I thought it was really interesting for a lo-fi beat tape to have so many little dialogue bits. So what exactly is the story behind that? A little like sad part before this. So I made this for someone that I was with at the time and I'm, I'm no longer with her. Um, that's that. I still want to keep the album up because I really, really, really love the album and I do love the message behind it. Mm -hmm. But it was basically I wanted to put together an entire project for someone because I thought it would be really sweet. So pretty much the entire like album was just kind of for her. And if you actually read the titles of the tracks, like a sentence instead of just like individual songs, because like the first track is like I met the girl, then we have like six years ago. But it basically like told a story. And yeah, so if you like read through the track list, it's all just kind of like one long sentence. The whole track list, it goes, I met the girl six years ago visiting next door years pass and i still don't know what i'm doing but i do it for you one day we'll sit and be watching the rain through our sliding glass door after i'll stare into your eyes and feel like i belong and that's like the entire track list mm -hmm. read as a sentence yeah so that um i put a lot of effort into kind of like each track more of like a story kind of telling thing mm -hmm. uh like some of the samples used and a lot of the dialogue was all stuff that was kind of like important in the relationship at the time so stuff that like both of us were able to kind of connect on so the project was really made for just one person but I put it out there as kind of a way to express myself. That's super cool. And I remember when I was reading through the track listening to, I was like, oh, that's clever. I really like that. <laughs> the one song I wanted to get into, though, was I Still Don't Know What I'm Doing, because to Ooh. me that sounded like, I mean, it fits in the context of the rest of the songs, but it also definitely is a standalone track because in it you say, like, I still don't know what I'm doing, obviously. And to me that came across as, okay, I'm a beat maker. I just got into lo-fi and I still don't know what I'm doing. So was that you kind of talking about both the, the relationship and the production so actually with that that was definitely uh kind of like intentional symbolism in a way mm -hmm. but that was basically kind of me expressing that hey because it was like my first kind of serious relationship like something that kind of went for a really long time so i didn't really kind of understand what i was doing when it came to like serious relationships so that was still pretty new to me and then when it came to making lo-fi there were so many things i didn't know i think that's the whole part of the journey of, of making music is you know knowing that you don't know a lot of things and that's mm. the beauty of like learning more yeah no i like that that's that's super poetic so did winter beats come before or after that one i know the album released on october 15th so winter beats came after release wise mm -hmm. however winter beats volume one was completed during the production of the album so all of those songs on there were actually done before the album was finished mm. i just held on to them for a really long time gotcha gotcha and so to you what kind of marks the point to where you're like okay this is gonna be a beat tape or an album or it's gonna be an ep like how do you make that decision <laughs> so i kind of kind of make those decisions on a whim it's a little weird because i'll be making beats and i'll put them in a folder and what i do is i just go unnamed project one two or three or whatever how many unnamed projects
projects. I have a bunch of these folders. And then I just kind of make a ton of stuff. There's been so many beats and like scrapped projects, but I'll just go and as soon as I finish stuff, I'll kind of put them in that folder. And then if I feel like it's something that's already kind of fitting a vibe, I'll go for like an EP. Albums are usually planned ahead. Like I'm going to make an album. There's going to be this theme. We're going to go through it. But whether I'm doing like a single or like a collection of tracks or a full EP all depends on the vibe I'm feeling. Like if I notice my style's changing, I'll try and cut that off there and make that an EP. So that way, like when my style changes a little bit, I've got a different project, like total different sound. Yeah, no, I got you. And it's been really cool to watch your progression or rather listen to your progression as time <laughs> has gone on because there is such a distinct shift in not only like sonic development, but also just maturity, I think is the right word going from that first album to your your latest one watching the world wake up as we move on from like that first tape tracks i think of to you on a saturday morning onto perception what are you looking for when you're trying to progress is it like an accident that you're just like okay now i know how to produce better or is there something intentional that you're thinking of as you go definitely a good mix of both uh, i figure out a lot of my production tricks by accident but when it comes to quality there's always like a level that i strive for on my next project when tracks i think of you two on a saturday morning that's a really long title oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> um that one was more of just me like let's just put something together that was me super casual and then perception was very focused on let's come up with some weird different tricks because i just got my akai mpk mini for this mm. project um nice. so i was like let's come up with some weird i experimented a little bit more on the perception album like wandering and wandering the very first track was not quantized at all i just hit record and like created a bunch of loops and slapped them together and then like imperceptible was like let's get the weirdest vibe i can make and then chimera i was experimenting with like just weird effects so all of them were experimental tracks that i ended up liking so there was perception has a ton of scrapped project files so it was all just what experiments sounded good and then watching the world wake up was my first actual album where i was like i'm gonna tell a story mm -hmm. so that progression was like if i'm gonna tell a story let's make sure it's good quality so that one i really strived for making sure that all the audio was really really smooth but you can kind of still get the vibe of everything yeah 100 and just a real quick note on watching the world wake up i think three on that album is your most slept on song ever really I, I think it's your best one <laughs> honestly when three came on i was like i started dancing low-key i was like all right this is this is groovy this is exactly what i would want in a lo-fi track wow um, that's kind of crazy because i was originally going to scrap that but ended up putting in last minute really yeah i was oh, gonna scrap it and make a, a brand new project i was or i was gonna scrap it and make a brand new song but i was like you know what we'll put this in here it still would have been titled three but the sound would have been different because i had that name planned before the song gotcha does that mean anything yeah so on my instagram i do have story highlights and it's like wtww that just stands for watching the world wake up hmm. the entire album was inspired off of uh, these walks i did at 3 a.m i'd wake up 3 a.m on the dot set an alarm get up slap a hoodie on grab some coffee down that as fast as i could and i just go walk and it's always been something that was interesting to me nighttime always appealed to me and i was like you know what let's try this that's when i noticed like you can really watch the world wake up and that's where the idea for this project came in so i started doing more of the walks we have the first song which is up before the world basically just saying like i'm the first one up and then watching the world wake up self-titled that was the title that i gave the walks originally before i gave it to the project and then three the track we're talking about here just represents the time i got up all the tracks kind of go along with 
with the story of, of these walks. If you've actually gone through the story highlights there, I've got pictures and videos and I just documented my experience and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's super cool. I noticed that watching the world wake up was released under Lost Fiction. And I was just curious as to what exactly that was because I looked into it and it was like Lost Fiction is like an, also an artist or something or is that like a different record label that you released it as? Like what's the story behind that? So Lost Fiction is a, a label, lo-fi label under Lowly Palace, which is an LLC. They also work with uh, Chill Nation. But I actually, it was super weird because I was out with some friends and I got an Instagram DM request and I opened it up and it's by Chill Nation's Instagram. And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, that's awesome. And they were like, hey, they said they listened to one of my tracks and they really liked it. And I was like, thank you so much. And it was like by the verified like Chill Nation Instagram. And I was like starstruck for a minute. Wow. Ended up getting in contact with them and they told us, you know, like the idea, like, hey, we're going to launch this project. Yeah, I think the Watching the World Wake Up album I held on to for almost half a year because <laughs> because of the project. It held on to it for a long time. Uh, but then I kind of like was a part of the starting like releases of mm. Lo-Fi Cowboys slash Lost Fictions, like whole label thing there. And that was a bunch of fun. Definitely the most fun I've had working with like a group of people and stuff. So I had a blast. That's super cool. And speaking about collaborations, I noticed on Perception you have one with Manifest and also you have like one other, I forget which song it was, but there was like only one other feature, I think, in your entire discography. I was just wondering how exactly collaborative are each of your projects? A lot of the times it's just me, but I've always loved the idea of collaboration. And then he manifests actually, funny story, he just records like stuff to like a metronome and posts online for anyone to use. And I hit him up and it's like, hey, can I use it for this project? He's like, yeah. So I just took his and I actually built the beat around his vocals. Nice. So, and then the other feature you're talking about, uh, the track, what was before on the one again ep with common we found each other through instagram i posted on my stories like hey does anyone want to collab he was the first person to uh reply the stuff he sent me i was like yes we're we're making something of this and that was a whole lot of fun a lot of my tracks here i actually have a really good friend of mine his name's ravi and we've collaborated technically on a bunch of stuff like he's giving me like sample ideas he's giving me ideas all the time giving me feedback i don't cut him as an artist because he's not like an artist kind of working with stuff mm -hmm. but he's always by my side kind of making all the stuff like the entire cherry blossom trees ep was because of him sending me a sample and said hey do something with this i mm. dare you and i was huh. like all right like <laughs> so he's that. a good friend of mine and he really challenges me so he's helped me grow a lot i think the most of the, on my music journey here so big shout out to robbie that guy's awesome yeah that's super cool and you know as a producer who makes like indie stuff i was just wondering what do you look for in a sample because i know a lot of lo-fi culture is is around samples and things and so like to me it doesn't really cross my mind to try to sample a lot of stuff what's going through your mind when you're looking for a sample <laughs> i'm not the best at sampling things my number one thing is like can i at least make this sound good just off the bat because mm -hmm. i'm not really good at manipulating samples i make sure i can cut it and i can make it loop smooth if i can't make it loop smooth it's not worth the stress because i have no idea what i'm doing gotcha. still to this day <laughs> so if i can make it loop smooth then i'm like oh i got a sigh of relief i like to kind of mess around with it do i want to just keep this loop do i want to chop it up do i want to change certain things like what am i changing to the sample first then once i find something that's kind of got that like oh okay this kind of works nice i'll plug in my mpk mini and i'll program in some drums and if i can just like on my drum pads just go ham like even with that recording if i'm feeling the vibe and i go ham on drums and get a rough idea that's when i continue with that sample so i go through about 20 samples before i find one good one wow and nice. then when i can just vibe to it it's production time i hit record and i experiment experiment until i find what goes and i stick with it yeah i got you and just 
just real quick, I gotta ask you this because you're a lo-fi producer. How do you feel about using Shiloh samples? I know you've used one in Insomnia, but how do you feel about Shiloh in the culture of lo-fi? I love Shiloh, obviously. And I love that it's created like this, it's almost like its own mini genre of mm -hmm. just like lo-fi, but like Shiloh lo-fi. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for just lo-fi and then you hear the sample, you're like, oh, you know, this might sound the same. So you're just like, ah, you know, you, you know what, this, what it sounds like. But when you're looking for like Shiloh lo-fi, you can really see what artists shine with it. In my opinion, I feel like I could have done so much better with the sample. I didn't, you know, do too much to it. But, you know, you're going through and you find the right artist that just takes it and just does some magic with it. And that's mm -hmm. what I like. You find like a common sample that a lot of artists have used. And that's where you can really see like the skill of an artist really shine. Because it's not like they have the secret sauce. They're taking something that everyone knows about. If they shine through that, that's that really kind of highlights the skill of that artist. I follow you on Instagram. I follow a couple other lo-fi producers on Instagram. It seems to me that it's kind of a tight-knit community. You went oh, as Grumpy Snorlax for Halloween, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Snorlax is my favorite Pokemon, and that's his, his artist name, so I was gonna go as, as Snorlax. When I put it on, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta post this and tag him, and I, I just tagged him in it because I was like, yeah. Um, we've, we've talked very rarely, but everyone just kind of knows of each other. Even if you're not close with the other artists, it's such a great community that like everyone just knows who everyone is, even if you're a small artist, and it's mm -hmm. all love. If there's any drama in the community, it's usually someone outside of the community, and everyone's like, well, we all love each other. So it's always wholesome. Love the community. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that there are also like compilation tapes for like a bunch of artists like pitch in one or two tracks or whatnot. Have you looked into that at all? I got invited to work on Kind Brew Volume 1. That's this fantastic lo-fi beat compilation. I highly recommend listening to it. I got invited to do that, but recently I took a very long break off of lo-fi, as you probably saw from my Instagram feed. I didn't submit in time to get on Kind Brew Volume 1, but I, I did get invited. So I would love to kind of get working on more of those because I think that honestly creates another community. Whenever you work on these little beat compilations, mm -hmm. all the people that worked on it, they all kind of come together. And that's like another small community within the community. And I feel like that's that's beautiful. Yeah, no, I definitely get a sense of that. And it's really cool to have a bunch of different artist styles come together and kind of merge all in the same project too. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the like homegrown tapes, but I like both of those. Those are really cool. There are a few others that I have on repeat occasionally and I'll, I'll be like, yeah, these are... These are so cool to me. Definitely tell me about Awaited Ahead. What does that project mean to you? This goes right in hand with that little break that I took. Awaited Ahead is basically just me being like, I've really been waiting to get back into music and I haven't found any inspiration. Hmm. And then when I found it, that Awaited is more for me. Like I have been really, really waiting to get back into the production of things. And I finally got back on the roll of everything. So I was like, yes, we're producing, we're producing, we're getting stuff done. And that's kind of what that project is, is like, that's my Awaited return and not like Awaited waited by my listeners, but waited by me. I really wanted to be back. I'm glad I'm back. Yeah, yeah. no, I gotcha. <laughs> and then the ahead part is also kind of like, I feel like this project is me changing my style a little bit. I've mm -hmm. learned a lot in my time kind of off of making stuff and just kind of learning a bit. So I've been experimenting with a lot of different stuff that you'll see in other future projects because I have already a bunch of stuff started. Um, but I, I really feel like I'm kind of changing into like a different era of me as an artist. It's still going to be lo-fi and it's still going to be, you know, the good old classic black 
happy music, but the way I approach everything is going to be a bit different. So that's kind of like what's ahead. So my return, I've been waiting to come back. I'm back and I'm looking forward to what's now coming ahead. Yeah, I gotcha. And through other conversations I've had with other musicians and people that do creative things, we've all burned out a little bit in quarantine, I feel. And yeah. so for you, I mean, obviously it's, it sounds like you've gotten past that now. So what exactly do you think clicked that got you back into the swing of things? I used to trick shot on Call of Duty a long time ago and I got back into the community on that on like Twitter and everything. I was doing that for a while and I got burnt out of that. And then I was like, man, I don't know what to do. So I was looking back at my Instagram. I was like, dude, I haven't done anything on my Instagram. One thing that originally got me into making like trap beats from what we were talking about earlier was because of trick shotting because people would use a lot of songs and like trick shot edits and stuff. And I fell in love with beat makers because I'd like finding like beats for stuff like that. So I was like, hey, I want to do this too. And that's kind of how I did it. So as soon as I got burnt out of trick shotting, I had a whole new library of songs in my head that I could use to inspire me. And I just put all of them into a playlist and I started listening to them. And I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. And I like to find like production tricks that I hear in beats and try and recreate it. Just mm -hmm. like to see if I can. And I did that for a couple songs. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, you know what, let's try and make something new. And I just, I hopped on and just realized everything was flowing naturally like it used to. And I was like, oh yes, we're back. <laughs> nice. So when you're in go mode, you know, I don't know what else to call it or in that in that flow state, let's call it. How long does that last? Because for me, it's definitely an up and down. I'll have these periods where I can really, really make stuff that sounds inspired and really awesome, in my opinion. And then I'll have these little down periods where I just cannot make anything for the life of me. So I'm just curious as to what that process is like for you. That's pretty accurate. I, th I think a lot of artists share the same process. It never is a consistent speed of everything. It's always in bursts. And if it's in longer bursts, there's going to be equally as long as a time where you're just sitting there going, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it's just sit down and I feel like if I ever break my flow, it's it's stopped there and then I go get some water, I go do something and then listen to some music. Listening to music always gets me right back into the flow state usually. Mm. And the thing is, it's always not lo-fi that gets me in the flow. It's so weird. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I just sit down and I always try to have some audio going. I don't like to sit in silence and make tweaks. Mm. So I like to have a, a playlist. If I'm sample digging, I have a playlist of samples that I dig through and I'm always listening to stuff and then whenever I'm like actually making beats I always try to have the sample kind of looped playing out loud so that way I kind of hear rhythms in my head that way that's all I'm always thinking because as soon as that thought process stops it's like I, I feel like I have to force myself to get back into thinking so gotcha, I just gotcha. try to keep sounds rolling <laughs> yeah no that's super cool you just got to keep moving don't slow down. So talk to me a little bit about gear, because earlier you mentioned the Akai Mini Mark II, I think it was. Yeah. And I use the same thing. Is there any other piece of equipment that's like your go-to machine that you use? Well, for live performances, which is really weird, this isn't even like a production thing. I have DJ Control like Instinct. I got it for like my 12th or 13th birthday when I wanted to learn how to DJ. Okay. Um, but I figured out you can program those knobs in FL Studio. So that I, I, I have used that, but when I got my MPK Mini, I really swapped over to that hmm. and i realized that you know your only limits your imagination because hmm. i was watching videos of people with like the sp 404 i watched those videos and their performances are so cool and i was like oh i love that and the one thing that i really love from sp 404 videos was like that stutter where you like to uh, you like turn the knob i've never touched an sp 404 so i might not have any idea what i'm talking about but i know there's like this little effect where, you know they turn that knob and i'll hear that like that beat stutter in there 
oh, I always love that effect. Mm-hmm. And I figured out how to do that with the MPK Mini. You know, you just hop on FL Studio. I got gross beat. I'll program a little stutter and I'll turn it to a knob. You know, I, I use the programmable knobs for all of my stuff. So I was like, you know what? My MPK with a little bit of knowing how to like link stuff to my controller really helps me. So, so far, that's kind of my only equipment. Anything that I have wanted to do, I figured out how to do it with my MPK. So I've gotten really, really comfortable with that piece of equipment. Yeah, that's super cool. And I feel like the responsive beat pads on it too is really helpful when you're making low fi stuff oh yeah i'm terrible at live drumming my rhythm is bad <laughs> oh no <laughs> so like if you if you pay attention to my beat making videos you'll notice that when i'm actually on the uh on the beat pads and you see when i hit and when the actual sound comes in it's never exact i always hit record and i have to quantize all of them because like none of them are usually on <laughs> so, i gotcha yeah and I, was, yeah I was gonna ask about that as a lo-fi producer and as a person also for me who listens to a lot of lo-fi and obviously you do too how do you feel about quantizing drums because in my opinion, I feel like a large part of the appeal of the swing of the drums is because they're not quantized. But I'm just curious as to what your take is. I think both are beautiful. There's a page called No Quantize. It's a beatmaker brand. Absolutely love them. I have a shirt from them. They feature a lot of stuff that's just not quantized. And I think that's really, really good because that captures a lot of, you know, like what lo-fi is, mm-hmm. um, especially like the jazzy influences because jazz it's got a beautiful swing to it and you know not quantizing stuff is what kind of creates that good smooth flowing vibe but then you can also make really good lo-fi with it being perfectly quantized you just have to get like good patterns so i think it's all depending on the style of the track i do like quantizing whenever i go live recording it's so offbeat that it sounds bad but i never quantize to exact beat i like to to drag it off a tiny bit so that way it's it still has a swing but mine is digitally produced swing i i do have to to move mine around to get it the way I want. I feel like regardless of how you're like live playing it, it's always a good idea to tweak things after the fact just to make sure you got it right. You know what I mean? Or correct whatever you're trying to do. Um, I mean, earlier we were talking about how tight-knit the community is. Is there any one artist in particular who's like your dream collab? Pretty much anyone you can think of. If anyone's listening to this podcast from the lo-fi community, you guys are beat makers, just hit me up. I don't care what your following count is, what your listening count is. Everyone always has beautiful and very different ideas so i want to explore all those those are pretty cool and then a dream collab right now probably grumpy snorlax just because mm-hmm. snorlax is my favorite pokemon and at the time we're recording this yesterday was halloween so i was literally just dressed as a snorlax not even 24 hours ago <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be great i would definitely love to see a grumpy snorlax black bee collab that would be so cool because i've been following both of you guys for like i don't know literal years at this point um, and so i'd be like super excited for anything you guys make out i'm sure it'd be super dope <laughs> let's um, make it happen yeah right <laughs> What advice do you have for people who want to make lo-fi beats? Biggest advice I can give you is don't be afraid of judgment at all. Get into music and find what you really, really, really love doing about it. To be honest, first, I loved music, but I I started posting it because I wanted to be like, oh, look, I'm cool. I can make beats, but nothing improved from there. But once that I found out that I really like making a good vibe, that's where I got into lo-fi. I was like, this is a whole lot of fun because I'm just creating vibes. That's what I kind of stuck with. So find that little thing that you like. You know, if it's lo-fi, you know, you might be a more 
rhythm-based person where you really like working on the drums, you might be very good on samples or creating melodies, find what you like and really try and perfect that and kind of build around it. As you learn and as you get started, you're going to make a lot of really bad sounding stuff. Every artist you've ever listened to has done the exact same thing. So don't worry about that. If you want to keep posting it, keep posting. You can take, you can always take it down later, but I recommend posting it, getting it out there and you'll have people that will help you and give you either constructive criticism and they'll help support you and you will always get better through time. So if you always try to compare yourself to other artists and you're like, mine doesn't sound as good as them. And instead of, you know, putting yourself down, take it as a challenge. Don't say, uh, I'm not as good as them. Say, how can I be as good as them? And then you will find a lot of improvement. Keep going and you'll have a lot of fun. This has been the Black Bay interview on the So Who's Up Next podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out the brand new Awaited Ahead EP as well as the rest of Blackbeat's discography right after this and let Boston know what you think. The song you're listening to in the background and at the start of this podcast is Maji by Blackbeat. I highly recommend it. Definitely one of my favorites. Follow our show by hitting that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening from and be sure to stick around because next time I'll be talking to Kixie about her latest and greatest album, All My Friends, as well as some other fun stuff. All this and much, much more coming very, very soon. I'll talk to you later.